Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. Let's face it, today's elections are not as exciting as the presidential elections. They're going to be in November. You're not going to hear the voices of your local district court judge or her main challenger all over the 24-hour cable news cycle. And a post about the local millage that would raise your property taxes to improve your kid's school it's not going to earn you hundreds of likes or angry faces on Facebook. But aren't these elections just as important? Some would argue they're even more important because they're more likely to directly affect your life. Still, turnout today is expected to be really dismal. 30% is really optimistic. Uh, We just heard Kathy Gray of the Detroit Free Press talk about it being somewhere around 20%. One in five voters showing up to make these important choices. Why is that? We want to hear from you. Are you staying home? Why? And if you're in the minority of voters casting a ballot today, why are you making that choice? And what are you seeing at your polling place? What do the lines look like? What's the mood like? 313-577-1019. Talk to us about voting today, whether you're doing it or whether you are not. What are you seeing at the polling place uh, where you cast your ballot? Again, 313-577-1019. 1019 is the number. And joining me now to talk about voter turnout is Susan Demas. She is the publisher of Inside Michigan Politics. Susan, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I I am always complaining about this, uh, not just here on the radio, but in the newspaper, uh, about the the low number of people who think this is important enough to actually go and do... Twenty percent, one in five. I mean, that's a really, really ridiculously no, low number. And when you think about the sort of permanence of the choices that we're making today, particularly in the uh, the legislature where things are so awfully drawn that uh, districts are not competitive between the parties, they're just sort of among the parties, you really have uh, a very small sliver of the public making decisions about who represents us in Lansing. I mean, it it is, you know, sort of indulge the cliche. Uh, It's an outrage. Uh, But but there's never sort of a, a discussion, I feel like, about how to get to a better place, like to, to, to get more people interested in getting out there and voting. Well, what you have here in Detroit is essentially if you don't show up to vote today, uh, you really don't have much of a choice in the vast majority of races come November yeah. because they're all determined in the Democratic primary. Most seats for the legislature are at least 80 percent Democratic out here. Uh, you know, there's a very competitive race in the first district with incumbent Brian Banks. Yeah. If you don't show up today, he may be your representative, even if you didn't want him to be in November. Yeah, and and Brian Banks, we should should make the point. This is an incumbent uh, in the state house who's got a number of felony con- convictions just uh, in the last few weeks has drawn new charges from the state attorney general. There's a, a number of people both from the city of Detroit and from some of the suburbs who are represented by that district running against him. There are great choices on the ballot. There are, There is a plethora of choices for voters in that district. It, it would seem as though you would that would motivate people to come out, but it doesn't. You would hope so. But, you know, I would argue that August is one of the worst times in Michigan to hold a primary. The weather is beautiful. People are concentrating on getting their kids ready for school. 
I would like to see elections held like in other states over Labor Day. I think that would increase turnout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones here. And again, join us uh, to talk about voting today. How important is it to you to cast your vote? Do you do it sometimes? Do you do it all the time? Do you do it none of the time? And tell us why. Why don't you vote if you don't? And why do you vote uh, if you do? 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. Let's go to Susan in Gross Point Woods. Susan, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Thank you, Stephen. Sure. Um, my comment is it would make it a lot easier for um, everyone if we had absentee ballots for everyone. Because... A lot of people don't want to stand in line. And as your, your former caller just said, a lot of people want to go out and do other things and don't want to have to think to vote. Um, I, I have been able to get an absentee ballot for several years, but it's so easy. It comes in the mail. I fill it out, take it to the clerk's office in the local city box, and I'm done. Yeah. And it would make so much more sense if everybody could do it that way. Yeah. Uh, Susan, that's a great point. We don't make it as easy in this country as they do in some other countries. Uh, and, and even in this state, we don't make it as easy uh, as they do in some other states for people to actually cast that ballot, that no reason absentee voting uh, has been an issue, but we've never gotten there. Susan Demas, that's one of the things that they've debated in Lansing uh, over the last couple of years, right? Yeah, that's something that used to have a lot of bipartisan support. Uh, former Secretary of State Terry Lynn Land was a big proponent. Um, but unfortunately, it's one of those reforms that we never see go anywhere. But especially with a lot of people on vacation, you know, when you're packing your sunblock and your swimsuit and you're getting ready to go out of town, a lot of people don't think to go and request that absentee ballot. And then it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Frank in Lincoln Park. Frank, welcome to Detroit hey. today. Thanks, David. How are you this morning? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, I'm a uh, quality over quantity person. Uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, I'm pretty sure the uh, listeners will be voting. They're some of the smartest listeners uh, or smartest people uh, on the planet. <laughs> well, I hope and, you're right, Frank. <laughs> uh, um, secondly, uh, uh, you know, I don't need everybody to come to the poll and vote. What I need are people to be smart and informed on their vote. And uh, I will take quality over quantity any day. We can save the uh, quantity for the, the people who are going to vote for Trump. Um, so uh, I need smart voters uh, coming to the polls who are informed. And Lord knows we don't have enough of those. Yeah, well, I, yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, thanks very much for that call, Frank. I guess I sort of agree with you, but not but not uh, 100%. I mean, I, I do wish that... Uh, that voters were more informed, but I think that's often the fault of media, uh, who, who uh, we don't cover the races quite the way that we used to or, or the way we should. And so it's really hard for people to get information about their candidates. Uh, but but I, I, I guess I don't agree with the idea that uh, we don't need people voting, even if they are not the most informed uh, I think uh, participatory democracy works best when participation is high. So uh, let's work on uh, let's work on informing people, but but also make it easier and encourage more people to vote. Uh, let's go to Tony in White Lake. Tony, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Um, I have a, a comment. Um, why I vote? Uh, I'm a child of the South. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. 
And so I know very much. You know what uh, it means not to be able to vote, yeah. Exactly. And I know that uh, there are people who have given their lives for us to exercise this right. So uh, I make every opportunity in any location that I've lived in over my 50 years to exercise my right to vote. I educate my kids on why this is important. And so uh, we, we, as a family, we go and, and we stand in the lines <laughs> and we exercise that right whenever that opportunity comes around. Yeah. No, Tony, I thanks also, very much for... Uh, I also... Yeah, go if, ahead. If, go if, ahead. I also have one question. Um, this, uh, living in Michigan, uh, is the only place I've lived where uh, people are allowed to vote and have their polling places at a place of worship. Is that not a violation of the separation of church and state? And if not, then why so? Uh, great question, Tony. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I hate to confess that uh, I don't know. I don't know the the specific answer to that. Susan Demas, do you know why, that, why that's okay? I am uh, not an, an attorney with the ACLU. That would be that's who we need. Those are the people you need. But I, I do know other states do have houses of worship as polling. Oh places. yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've voted in churches in in several different states where I've lived. Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure what what part of. Uh, sort of First Amendment exemption applies there, but uh, I, I think uh, there, there, maybe there's an ACLU lawyer out there listening who can call in and explain specifically what it is that allows that to happen. But Tony, thanks very much for that call. I want to go back to Tony's first point about uh, being a child of the South and knowing that uh, that you didn't always have the, the, the chance to vote if you were African-American. That's not an issue that's gone away, and and we saw just uh, last week uh, a federal appeals uh, uh, court in uh, Richmond, Virginia, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, strike down uh, the North Carolina uh, voter ID laws, specifically because, uh, well, among other reasons, legislators went in and tried to figure out how to configure these voter ID laws in a way that would prevent African-Americans or more African-Americans than other people from voting. I mean, it was a really stark opinion that was written in that case with all kinds of documentation of the really specific ways that those legislators uh, identified uh, uh, the, the voting behaviors of African-Americans and drew, drew the law in a way that would affect them. But Susan Demas, this is not something that's part of the past, as Tony is talking about. This is something that's an active fight today to make sure that the franchise is not abridged for people because of the color of their skin. Yeah, we've seen a number of states crack down on voting rights, Michigan among them. Uh, not right. not as much as other states, but we do have the voter ID law, which, you know, is prohibitive, especially for some older voters, especially in Detroit, where they may not be as mobile. But, you know, if you read that North Carolina opinion, it's just very stark. And it, it's really impossible to argue that, you know, racism is a thing of the past in terms of voting rights. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's something that, that we're dealing with all the time. Let's go to Ed in Gross Point. Ed, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah. Hey. Um, the, the, the biggest problem I find is this is when things get on the ballot that are really, really sneaky. Um, like, like let, let's take, for instance, the, the proposal on parks that, that's on the ballot this time around. The Gross Points aren't allowed to any of that money. 
So there, so wait, there, Ed. Before we go any further, tell me million dollars that we contribute. Tell me more about the uh, the the parks uh, uh, millage. I don't I don't know about that. Let's uh, let's inform the listeners. Okay, the the parks millage. I want to. My number may be wrong, but I want to say it's like two point five mil or something like that. The Gross Point area contributed last time around through this millage seven point four million dollars. We got maybe maybe $54,000 out of that, approximately. But now this time around, they're saying we're not entitled to any of that money for parks because our parks are, quote-unquote, private to our cities alone. Which Even is though true. I'm in the county, <laughs> I'm paying for parks, but yet Heinz Park and all these other parks are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean hundreds of thousands of dollars. But yet they want me to pay for, put pay into this millage, and my cities aren't allowed any of that money, not even a sliver of it. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ed, it sounds like it's pretty well explicated, though. I mean, it's not. I mean, you you sort of talked about this being a sneaky thing. Uh, it, it is sneaky. It, how is it's it sneaky? sneaky to put it on the on the on I a, see because a, of the low voter turnout. Because the low voter turnout, and also on the fact that. It's in the, I'm sorry. This is not the day to be voting. I'm sorry about that, folks. <laughs> this, our, our legislator has screwed up by making this the the state primary. And so, when would you put when would you put the primaries? Like, what, what would be a better a better time to do it? Should we do it, for instance, when we have the presidential primary? I mean, we could have done it, I suppose, yeah. this spring. Then, then that, would have made that would it for a very long money. Yeah, that would have made it for a very long general uh, campaign. Uh, for candidates to have to, to campaign from then till November, but uh, certainly you would have had and more people. Another thing that, that I'd like to comment on is people need to do their research before they get to the poll. Look at all of the judges. I mean, we pick, what, four non-incumbent judges this time around for, I want to say, the Third Circuit. Yeah. There's like 25 judges on there. You need <laughs> to do your research. If you can't do it standing there at the polls. You got. That's why I constantly vote absentee ballot. That's interesting. You know, luckily my job is a job where I get called out of town anytime. <laughs> There's my reason for getting my absentee ballot. Right there, you go. <laughs> All right, Ed. Thanks very much uh, for right. your call. Um, let's go to Otto in Plymouth. Otto, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, how you doing? Good. You know, I just moved back from uh, Portland, Oregon, back here to North Michigan, where I grew up. I spent six years out there, and in, in Oregon, uh, you got in the mail your ballot along with a huge packet that explained each one of the candidates, their position, each one of the proposals, and what was going on in each one to provide everybody with the information. We could talk about they need to do their research, and it was really nice to have some of the research done for you. And you could always obviously look for more, but uh, it was just it was so nice. Um, it was convenient. You didn't have to worry about going to a poll. You just put it back in the mail, and you got it a month in advance. You had a month to take care of it, and uh, yeah, I, it was just go ahead. It was yeah, incredible. Go ahead. It, was, uh, it was it was a great way to do it. You know, Oregon is one of those states that I feel like is sort of lapping us here in Michigan in terms of uh, edu- election reform. But uh, I think I saw something earlier this week that they've signed a bill that sort of automatically registers all red, uh, uh, eligible voters. And if you don't want to be registered, you have to opt out of it, uh, exactly. which is a yeah, really go, different. Go to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, when you go to the DMV, it's just part of it. Yeah, it's just part. You are a voter. You are a beige. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. 
And to the point the last guy was making about, you know, the other cities not getting money, I just wanted to, to say on the other side of it, I mean, we need to stop thinking about my community versus your community. This entire region needs to be thought of as helping out each other. You know, yeah. you're improving the quality of life for our area. For everybody, and, uh, yeah. Thank you for, for saying that, Otto. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I was reminded during that call of the argument that we're having right now over regional transit. That is exactly yeah. the problem that we're having is that you've got not just uh, individuals, you've got leaders, elected leaders, uh, looking at this in terms of, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for this yeah. specific community? And not thinking about it in terms of what the regional impact is going to be. What's going on in Detroit affects me and Plymouth, you know, uh, yeah. directly. And, and we need to realize that's that this reality of the situation. Yeah. We want to make the whole region better. Let's think that way. So, yeah. I don't know. Otto, and, thanks very much uh, for the call. Thank you. Uh, Susan Demas, publisher of Inside Michigan Politics. Talk about the climate in Lansing around what uh, what what Otto's talking about in terms of these reforms that would make it easier, that would uh, sort of uh, err on the side of registering people and allowing them to vote instead of erring on the side of telling people, well, you're not quite uh, you're not quite qualified. Uh, how how far are we in Lansing from having uh, sort of genuine discussion about these things? We're pretty far from that. Um, if, if you've seen the debate over election uh, legislation, it's been more how to clamp down on voting than expand rights. Uh, briefly last year, there was a proposal out there to vote by mail. Um, there was a group that was formed in northern Michigan. They only raised about $500, so that went away rather quickly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I would not be surprised if going to the ballot box directly is the way we might see some of these election reforms. The question is, can you really raise the money for yeah, it? It's a finance. It's always financing with, uh, with statewide referenda. It's, you know, it's millions and millions of dollars that you need to raise. Uh, let's go to Bernadette in Redford. Bernadette, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fine. I live on the border, Detroit, Redford, and I voted this morning at age 15 on my way to work. And I was astonished that at age 15, the polls were open at 7. I was number one. Wow. Wow. So, and and were there people behind you coming no. in? No? <laughs> the, no. The only people that I saw were those that are passing out oh. uh, campaign literature or uh, posting um, lawn signs. Oh, part of that. That's not uh, good news. It is terrible news. And one thing that has mystified me is that I work at a low-cost clinic, and many of our patients are on uh, Medicaid or receive some sort of benefit. Why um, those citizens don't take the local election where we vote for not only our city, but our state representatives who determine the money that goes into uh, social programs, why um, those participants are staying home has always been a mystery to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bernadette, thanks very much uh, for calling us and letting us know about uh, what's going on in your precinct. And again, if you have uh, other observations about uh, voting uh, that you're seeing in your place of balloting, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's go to uh, Janet in Southfield. Janet, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes, good morning. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Absolutely. Um, my uh, question or comment goes to uh, the gentleman that spoke about um, polling uh, places in the churches. Uh -huh. And I'm old enough to remember that once upon a time we used to have polling places in schools. In schools, right. Still be, 
think still may be the case in some places, but it was really very widely done, and it it really went to um, helping young people understand the importance of voting. Uh, it made you want to emulate what adults were doing. And if I recall correctly, the schools were, in fact, closed on those days yeah, for voting. I remember when they were bringing the machines in the day before. So it, it seems that we have, um, in many ways, uh, gone towards suppressing the um, the knowledge and the information and education about voting with regard to our young people. When we talk about millennials are not coming out, you know, maybe some of this is the issue, that they didn't learn at a very fundamental age that this here is an adult responsibility and privilege and rights that you have. And if you learn about it early, you will be like right on at that point of, yeah, I want to do this when I, when I become of age. Yeah. No, uh, Janet, thanks very much uh, for that call. And that historical reminder of uh, how much differently uh, we used to deal with these kind of issues. Uh, Let's go to Frank in Farmington. Frank, welcome to Detroit today. Thanks, Stephen. Good morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it it occurs to me that we have all these folks who engage in in uh, large displays of patriotism, <laughs> and to me, the minimum requirement for a democracy is to go and vote. Yeah, be part of it, right? Be um, part of it. Uh, so, as I the mean, president said during his vi- during his uh, speech, "Don't boo, vote." <laughs> yeah, and I, I just can't understand people who are thumping the drum on patriotism so hard and not. Yeah. Yeah. Frank, thanks very much uh, uh, for that call. Uh, uh, Susan Demas, uh, have you gone and cast your ballots today? No, I came right here. <laughs> you came right here, right? That's more important. <laughs> but you'll go home, I'm sure. I and, will. Uh, and, and On vote. my way back. Yeah. All right. Uh, Susan Demas, publisher of Inside Michigan Politics. Thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about Donald Trump's feud with the family of a slain Muslim soldier with new Michigan media founder, Haig Oshigan. Stay with us on Detroit Today.